Now hold my hand. Okay. Let's do this. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Hey, folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today I'm talking with Connor Cyrus. How's it going today, Connor? Reggie, it's going pretty well. You know, it's, uh, it's Sunday, so, you know, it's turn-up day, although it's not really, but it's, you know, Sunday fun day. Oh, it's Sunday fun day with Reggie. Is, the, is this a, something we're branding now? Is that a... I mean, if you want. I mean, I don't, I don't mind if you trademark it. Let's kick right off into what for some might be a familiar tale at this point. I know you <laughs> are in the media. You're a public figure. Um, so this may be a repeat for some of you, but let's, let's get into the Connor Cyrus story. Take us back... To 1974, when you were born. Oh wow, 74! Wow, you shady. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, did I get that wrong? I did not entirely fact check before. So um, this is officially fake news, and I'm done. <laughs> okay, so um, it was a beautiful day on January 3rd. That in what year again was that? Sorry. Ooh, child, you're trying to come for me. Um, 1987. So I. Oh, I'm same, same year. Hey, hey. We are um, the year of the rabbit. Yes, but I am technically not the year of the rabbit. Oh, is it because a cut, a cut the, off? Well, because the Chinese New Year is different than the American New Year, of course. And so I'm the year of whatever is before the rabbit. Got it. Because I'm technically an 80... Uh, in the Chinese New Year, I'm technically an 86. Right. Got it. Got it. Okay. So... Well, I am sorry to have assumed that. But it's okay. I mean, in the American New Year, I'm still a rabbit, and we are twins. I love being rabbit twins with you. Continue. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I was born. My mom was super excited. I was the first of five. And, oldest? Um, yes. Okay. So I'm the oldest. And, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And, uh, no, I think I had a pretty normal childhood. You know, I grew up in Dallas where, you know, home of the Cowboys. And uh, Are they winning or something? Yeah, they kind of won yesterday. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, go Cowboys. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. It's been been a while. So, um, yeah, so, you know, so I think I just had a pretty standard childhood. But it was interesting because being such a large family – being such a large black family, being such a large black family in the South, um, and then being a large black family in the South with a single mom kind of makes, kind of makes life interesting. In what ways? Well, I think that it always, co- you know, I think that especially when you're talking about race and single women, that not having that father figure, I think people always want to assume things about your life that may or may not be true, but I think I always had male influences in my life. So I never felt like I never didn't have a dad because I always had that. And I also, like I said, my, my family were really close. So that was really cool. And then we moved to Vermont. <laughs> you you so moved we, from um, Dallas to Vermont? Yeah, so we moved from Dallas to Vermont. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first, first time that I realized that we were different. <laughs> I mean, I'd always known that we were black and that it was, um, that we were a minority, quote unquote, but I never experienced being a minority because in Dallas we were surrounded by, there were black people, there were Spanish people. And so there, we were surrounded by so many different cultures 
that there was not a norm and that wasn't so homogenous. When we moved to Vermont, that's when we first realized, holy crap, we different. How, how old were you? When we first moved here, I was 15. Hmm. And, um, yeah, so we came up here, and I'll never forget the first experience we had was we were at a restaurant in Montpelier, and my family walked in, all six of us. It was me, my four brothers, and my mom. We walked in. The record scratched. We're walking to the table, and it is dead silent. I mean, like, we are just walking through, and everyone is just, what are those black people? Oh, my God. I see them. They don't just exist on TV. And so we're walking. We're walking. We get seated. And then the waitress says, like, oh, can I take your orders? The restaurant comes, goes back to normal, comes back to life. We look at it. My brother looks at the table and goes, well, at least we're going to be popular here. And that's just kind of like, that was kind of like our introduction to Vermont and uh, being black here in Vermont. Would you say you had like a happy high school experience? Um, oh, wait, I, oh, sorry, we're in Vermont yeah, also? Where so, so this was um, Hartford. Oh, okay. So we yeah. lived, yeah. so that was Hartford High School and we went to... Um, we live in White River Junction. Oh, okay, okay. So, is um, that a big commute? What is that commute like? From here? White River to Hartford. Oh, it, it's like just the next town over. Oh, okay. I, I need to get better. It's all right. For my no. geography. Yeah. I'm just because I can't. No, so it's like the Upper Valley. It's kind of made up. It's like Hartford, Hanover, Lebanon, White River Junction. It's New Hampshire and region. Vermont. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Upper Valley region. Shout out. Hey. <laughs> so high school high school high school was interesting um i got bullied a lot in high school and i got picked on uh and it was right off the jump like i got i showed up and people just did not like me they didn't get me and it was i don't need it was the most it's interesting when i look back on it because i didn't re- i don't re- at the time I didn't realize that I was getting bullied as bad as I was. I mean, I always thought I was a shit. So it's like, you're like, oh, you're my friends. <laughs> well, it's like I knew that I was, I knew that I was having problems, and I knew that people didn't like me, but I didn't realize the extent of it until being in it, until I went to college, and I'm like, oh wait, that's not normal. And I think part of it comes down to is that like when I was in Dallas, I went to private school. And so then when I moved up here, I went to public school. So I just thought that everybody's public school experience sucked. And I just thought that was just the public school way of just everybody gets picked on, everybody gets bullied, and everybody has their own drama. So I didn't think that me getting singled out for being black was anything special because I think that everybody has their own thing that they can get picked on for. So I went through So I was at Hartford High School for a about I think I was there for a year until it got until the bullying got too bad and my mom was just like we got to put it in like we got to we're out of here <laughs> um it started I mean it pretty much one day I'll never forget this um I was getting picked on in the I was getting picked on in the hallways I was getting called a nigger I heard that word more times at Hartford High School than I did in my entire life and um yeah, so then I had a meeting with the assistant principal, and it was him, my mom, 
and myself, obviously. And we had this whole meeting, and he was like, Connor, I think you're just being a little sensitive. I think, um, he's like, I think that you're just getting picked on, and I think you're taking this a little too seriously. And, you know, nobody else has been reporting what you're saying. Nobody else has really come forward to say that they see what you're saying. So maybe this is something that you just need to reflect on and kind of pass to the blame. And during the time, I again, it wasn't, it didn't click how bad the bullying was for me at the time. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm just being really insensitive. You know, I guess, you know, when I got jumped <laughs> and all the other stuff, I guess that was just, again, I guess that's just normal public school behavior. And then we walked out of this meeting and strike me dead if I'm lying. A kid on a bike, one of the kids that had been bullying me, drives by on his bike and he goes, I'm going to fucking kill you, nigger. And the assistant principal chases after him. And then he turns right back around and goes, all right, now we can have a real meeting. And it was just like, oh, so when I told you that all of this stuff was happening, that like these people are actually like leaving me death threats in my locker. They're pushing me into lockers. They're ca- I'm getting called a nigger all the time. When I'm telling you this, it's not real or I'm exaggerating until you see it for yourself. And now that you've seen it, you're like, oh, wow. And that was when I, that was, was the first time that I clicked that maybe this is serious. Uh, once you left there, mm-hmm. what happened? So my family, so I guess what happened, so the bullying didn't stop and the school didn't really, the school wasn't equipped to deal with it. Um, And all of their, I mean, I will defend them a little bit. They did help as much as possible, but these kids are hell bent, you know, for the kids that were bullying me, they're all, they're in prison. Uh, So um, that just shows you that we weren't, these particular people that were harassing me weren't good people to start out with. And I was just an easy target. And so they weren't leaving. And my mom was just like, it started to trickle down to my younger brothers who I guess just weren't as um, vain, I will say, as I was and kind of like internalized it a lot more. And so when that started to affect them, my mom was just like, all right, we got to get out of here. And this is like the decision that we need to make that I'm making for the family because what Connor's going through, nobody else should go through. And then my youngest brother who was in kindergarten at the time came home and repeated this awful joke. Like, what do you call a black baby? A nigglet. And my mom was like, all right, that's we're done. That's a wrap. So then we moved to Hanover and life. I mean, I, I would say that for all intents and purposes, when it comes to race, life improved. And so then, you know, graduated there and then moved on. And yeah, here we are today. And you went to, uh, on to higher education. Where was yes. that? Uh, Marist College was where I went first. Where is that? Uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. Shout out to P-Town. Shout out. <laughs> um, okay. Good experience there. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. So then I lived, um, I moved back to Dallas for a little bit because I loved it there. Because you always come home again. Exactly. I mean, oh, hey. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that, and then I think going back to Dallas, I really, really, well, I guess, well, let's back up. (laughs) Um, 
so then I graduated high school, and that's because this is brown and out, so it's all about my coming out experience, right? And um, my best friend at the time, my senior year of high school, went to Boston College. And um, I ended up writing her. I was, like, all nervous to come out. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm pretty sure that everybody in my life knew at, the, at that time. I was in denial. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, this is so weird. But I'm kind of feeling that I'm becoming an adult. And so I should, like, start, like, sharing who I am with people. And, like, my internal feelings, wants, desires. And that, so I thought that my sexuality at that time was a big part of my life because that was a big part of, of the identity that I was exploring. And so I like went to visit her at Boston College, and I had this five-page handwritten letter. <laughs> we went to a burrito shop, and I'll, I was, yeah, I mean, in good fashion. I'm dramatic, so <laughs> burritos are dramatic. Exactly. And I was like, I'm gonna hand you this letter. I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I'm going to come out. She's like, actually, I'll read this letter in the bathroom. You can stay here. <laughs> so The old switcheroo. Exactly. So I handed her this letter. She came back. She gave me a big hug, and then we laughed, and she was just like, Connor, this letter was either you asking me to marry you or it was you coming out. And so... Um, After I, reading it, she couldn't tell. No, no, this was before. Like before uh, I handed her the letter, she was just <laughs> like, she was like, when you handed me the letter, I thought that you were either going to ask me to marry you or you were going to come out and tell me that you were gay. So because it was dramatic, you had the burrito shop ambiance, five whole pages. Yes, handwritten. <laughs> were they did were did you spray your scent on them? Did you do a spritz of your polo blue? I mean, I'm I probably not, but I maybe maybe I kissed it a couple times. Perfect, exactly. I mean, same. there was. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just had to. Same idea. Just leave my mark a little bit. You always do. It wasn't in the. It wasn't clearly. It wasn't in the writing. <laughs> Anyhow, so you're coming out in in the burrito shop. Yes. So how yeah. did that end? It ended. I mean, it ended with a hug, and it was just like it was no big deal. And I thought that was, like, a really positive first experience. And it was just like, all right, well, she accepts me. And then it kind of became this subtle, all right, she was cool with it. And then I started talking about it a little bit more. Um, not too much to my, friend, to my friends in high school. <laughs> they, I mean, I'm pretty sure, again, they all, pretty sure they all knew even though I dated girls, but I'm pretty sure everybody was just like, oh, that's a beard. That's a beard. <laughs> a, a beard for those at home listening would be. Oh, that's the girl that you, that's a girl that a gay guy dates or I think it works both ways, doesn't it? For a guy, for a girl. Yeah. Well, anyway, my beard was um, females in high school <laughs> that I that pretend that I dated to prove, quote-unquote, to people that I was straight. But once you graduated, you sort of were on a path. Yeah, so right before graduation, again, I'm like on this path of just like owning who I am, being comfortable with who I am. And, um, you know, so college, was, uh, so college was fine. You know, I came out my freshman, se- uh, going into second semester freshman year. So it was, I think, right after Thanksgiving break, we all came back, and one of my floor mates looked at me and said, Con, are you gay? 
And I was just like, uh, 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 long pause. And I was like, yes. And it was kind of like one of those, like, you close your eyes and flinch a little bit. And you're like, yep. Like, cool. Thought so. And then life just continued. And I was just like, that's it? No weird speech of, like, yo, bro, like, no homo, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And there was none of that. And so then that – so that was the first guy that I came out to, which was, in my mind, really important that I had, like, male straight friends that knew who I was but were still cool with it, you know, because I just – I just really loved my floor mates and like my male friends that I was really nervous that coming out to them would have an impact on those relationships, but it didn't came out to them. And then it just became like this really cool thing. We're like, Hey Connor, if you ever want to go to the gay bar, like we'd totally go with you. We hear straight girls go. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's like all of my college friends were just super cool with it. And it was again, a really great experience. And I think that I only, had a couple of negative experiences or with people, but I don't harbor those because the outcome of them, I was like uh, greeted with so much love, you know, like people, other people would hear somebody like trying to pick on me and they'd be like, Oh no, I don't think you know who that is, (laughs) you know? And so it was really great. So I can't say that I had a lot of bad experiences um, with that. What's the name of the college again? Sorry. Marist. Marist. Yes. What did you study there? Psychology. Oh, I went to school for psychology too. No way. Oh my gosh. And then you went to Linden. That's nowhere I went for psychology. <laughs> That's the exact place. So what, you also went to Linden? Yes. So a couple years at Marist? So I was, no, so I was there. So I was at Marist, finished. And then I was kind of like living my life, but I, like in my 20s, I didn't really have a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. I was just, I worked, you know, I worked retail. I did PR. I was kind of just like living life. I was living my best life. Don't get me wrong. Like In Poughkeepsie? No, like just after, oh. after Poughkeepsie. Like, you, I, you went to Dallas, you yeah, said? Okay. I lived in Jersey City for a little bit. Jersey City, shout out. And so, you know, I, I was just living, I was living my best life, but I had no direction and I was kind of losing like, I don't want to say self-worth, but I was just kind of losing purpose. Mm. And I really just was like, all right, it's like, I'm now 24, I was 25 at the time. I'm like, all right, I need to figure out what I really want to do with my life. Cause I was getting bored with PR and I just, nothing like things were great, but I just needed something more and better and with more purpose. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to be a reporter. And it was just like, it just it just clicked. I was just like, you know what? It kind of combines all the talents that PR does, plus it's a little bit more intellectual. And I get to be creative. I get to meet people. I get to do all these cool things. Done. And that's how I was. And then my mom, I was call, so I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to be a reporter. She was like, great. How do you do that? <laughs> and I was like, I think I just got to go back to school. And get a journalism degree because there people aren't taking interns that um, if they're not in college. So I think you have to go to college, get this internship, and then that's how I. So I did it. So I went back to school, 
and um, to Linden State. To Linden State. Shout out. They're defunct, right? It's now University of Northern Vermont at Linden. I know they have a strong um, news reporting and meteorology yes. school. Um, a lot of fine weather people have come out of that program. Um, but you took the reporting route. Mm-hmm. This is straight up. You got a journalism degree yep. as well. Okay. Um, wow. See, so, yeah, we were um, we were talking backstage the other night, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's where I, I. It's so weird that I just learned that then, because but then also like it shouldn't surprise me like anyone I meet around here who went to London. Like, I was gonna say so. There's so many of us, especially in the in the news business. In this market, mm-hmm. a ton of us have gone to Northern Vermont University at Linden. Um, That's but it, right. But it was a good, I mean, Linden was a good experience. It was an interesting experience because I was 26, going, you know, and I was with a bunch of, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, all getting their, all getting their batch, their first bachelor's. And I'm like, yo, I'm just, tr- I'm just here trying to get the second degree and like get a job. So it was interesting to see kind of like the angstiness of how I was <laughs> when I was at Maris, you know, versus, you know, who I, you know, versus who I was then. So it was, it was a fun experience and it was a good learning experience for me. I think that it was just, I mean, besides the learning in the classroom, I think just like I learned a lot about how much I've grown and that how much things just don't bother me as much as I used to. I'm like, it's like, oh my god, I'm so stressed out about this test. Like, when you know, and they kind of, you know, when you're young, that's like the most important. That test is the most important. I'm like, this test is not even like a percentage of our grade. Like, I'm not going to stress it. <laughs> right. It's called perspective. I think exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Awesome. So, working. May we say where you work? Yeah. Currently. Yeah. So work, <laughs> working for WCAX. Um, what was, what was that, um, trajectory like from Linden to there? Um, well, my first station, so right after college, I got a job in Northern Maine. Okay. In Presque Isle, Maine. If you know where that is, I'm extremely sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you, so that's an anti shout out. That's a, okay. <laughs> well, so it's, it's called, it's called the County. And for those of y'all that don't know, I would, I always compare it to the Northeast Kingdom. Ah. Uh. And but it's like the Northeast Kingdom. If the Northeast Kingdom was like four hours away from any type of civilization, that's kind of how I describe it. You have it's just a lot of woods and um, I'm gonna say country folk, if that's appropriate. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is but- it? Is it? Is that um, taking the place of? A word that might be considered impolite and you're just being nice right now? Well, I think it's just, it's a lot of people who have never left Northern Maine. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, they're called Trump supporters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, you, that's the correct term. Okay. Yeah. And so that was just a very interesting experience. And that was one where there, first of all, there weren't a lot of black, there were no black people. There was one other black person and I worked with her. And there were no gay people. And so to be brown and out there was just weird because nobody could grasp who I was. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little outspoken. I can be a little obnoxious. I'm slightly in your face. 
Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I bet you had a few straight cis white women friends. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did. But you know, but I will say that I had two I I had like three or four really good friends out there but everybody else just did not did not get me some people tried to get me but they were just How did like, that go? I mean they're just like They tried it. Yeah, they were just like, "Oh, so you're gay? I've never met a gay person before." Like, "Yeah, well, I'm sure you have. You just didn't know they were gay or they didn't tell you." You know, and so I think for them, especially there, you can only be one or the other. You can be black or you can be gay, yeah. but you absolutely cannot be both. There's some cognitive dissonance. Like, you hold more than one identity. What? <laughs> and so I think I was just – people just didn't understand me there. And so I was there for a little bit. Uh, I was there for nine months. And, uh, you know, had some good times, but just had a lot of lonely times there because, you know, when you're with, you know, when you're in an area where there aren't very many young people, there aren't very many brown people, there aren't very many gay people, and you kind of identify in this space, in these two worlds where there aren't anybody there, it becomes very lonely, even though you have some friends, you just don't have anybody that really can relate to your struggle or to my struggle at the time. Yeah, that is, it's isolating. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got hired at WCIX and it was one of the most exciting. I mean, I say that, I mean, it sounds like I'm being corny, but I was so excited to get hired there because I'm closer to home. I'm like, ha- I have the community that I know will support and accept me and a station that will support and accept me and help me grow. Corn is one of my favorite vegetables. Well, it's actually a starch. <laughs> you have to edit my laugh. Um, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that you love your work. I feel like that's ideal. You are... Um, achieving your hierarchy of needs, it right. sounds like. And it's, you know, it's really, it's really great. I, I love my job. I love the team that I work with. I think that um, not only, I think beyond just like loving my job, I love the fact that it gives me purpose and that it's like a purpose that I feel, that like fills my soul, you know? And so it's just like... Are we in church? It is... It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Sunday fun day. That's the obvious reference. I mean, but have, did you ever? Did you ever go to seminary? Did you ever go to? So I grew up in the church. I went. I, I went to private school, and that was an Episcopal school. So um, we did um, mass every Wednesday, and I got to hold the torch. And yep, I had this whole so, so me holding the torch at church started out or at school. For church, and then it became church, but started out as a joke to get me to be on time. I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm always late. Shout out to Mama Cyrus for always teaching me for teaching me how to make me late. <laughs> and so they thought that. So the the headmaster thought at the time that if I was to hold the torch for mass, that maybe I would be on time because you have to be early because you have to get there before everybody else and hold them. 
And so then, so when I got, when I got the job, the, the role, gig, the gig, when I got the gig, I, the first thing I said was, "Mom, we have to be on time to school because I'm holding the torch, and they will make some, they'll give it to somebody else if I'm late." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so little Connor got to do that, and he grew up in the, I he I grew up in the church, and uh, the church was a big part of um, of my life. For I mean, it still is. Um, like I said, I'm Episcopalian, so there hasn't been a lot of struggle with me identifying with the church because the church has always accepted me. Like we have a gay bishop, and it's never been my sexuality has never been a point of contention. If anything, they've always just been like, hey, Connor, we love you. Even in northern Maine, when I went to church, they were just like, if you have a partner, you can bring him. And I'm like, oh, child, I am dead single. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's always, you know, so the church has always been good to me. I don't know how we got on that topic. You know, sometimes you just start talking about the church. Take me to church. <laughs> Yes, come through, Hosier. Yeah, yeah. Oh my lord! Um, Which I just found out is about being gay. <laughs> that song. Well, did you have you seen the video? I have not. It's compelling. You are um, an outspoken advocate of rompers. Can you tell us first? Well, it's a, okay. Let's see. I guess you could call it a two-part question. Um, how do you feel if you could describe it? Um, when you're in a romper and also why haven't they caught on? First of all, I am a very outspoken advocate for the romper. Mm -hmm. That is 1000% accurate. Mm -hmm. Putting on a romper is first of all, it's super easy because you don't have to outfit it with anything. You just put it on and go. So it's called one and done. Exactly. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> no, so it's like I think that rompers are just an easy way to just be different, be loud, be bold. And there's and I'm lazy. Like I don't like it's like I'm just lazy when I get dressed. So to be able to put on a romper and just like I just have to throw on some shoes now and walk out the door. It's amazing. Why haven't they caught on? I think people are scared. I think that, you know, you are definitely making a bold statement when you put on a romper and if you know if you don't have the personality to pull it off then you just kind of leave it on the rack a word that's a challenge to everybody out there accepted so first day of spring romp oh you know we should have a romper party actually like we'll do a we'll do a romper picnic at the waterfront first day of spring y'all hear that first day of spring everybody grab your romper we're having a picnic. Hey. See you. Cardi B will there. be there. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's unconfirmed, um, but we're hoping. We were talking. No, her music will be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, at least. At least. At least. Mean, we've, we've reached out to her people. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine Cardi B in Vermont? <laughs> that actually makes me really happy to think about, because she would read some folks. More on that later. Um, so... If I may be indelicate, um, I know that you're also 
an outspoken advocate for Grinder. <laughs> do you do you want to tell us a bit about what your experience using that social media platform has been like? Um, you know, around these parts, around these parts. Well, you know, I will say that my Grinder account is. Um, I don't even know the word. I'll just say it's active. Oh, okay. Um, it's good. Okay. Uh, I would say that I the more interesting stories of my grinder experiences are definitely when I was in northern Maine. <laughs> Presque Yes. Tell us two stories. Oh, God. I'm going to get fired for this one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so... This is probably one of the more. This is probably one of the funnier stories, is that. Um, so I'm on. So I'm on Grinder, and I was just. What had happened? Oh, I had just broken up with. We was like a probably a month out of a breakup, and so I like so I just downloaded Grinder, and I was just like, you know, it's just like having one of those days when you're just like in your feelings, and you're just like, you know, what? I just want to be with somebody, like not necessarily like sexually, but I just want to like be in the company of somebody. Oh, sorry. And uh, so I, I'm on Grinder, and I'm just like, oh, hey, like you look pretty normal. Let's hang out. Like, you want to go grab a drink? He's just like, yeah, I'd like. To. He's like, yeah, I'd like to grab a drink. I was like, cool. Like, let's meet at this bar. Let's meet at like six o'clock. And he's just like, cool. I'll be there. Just to let you know, I'm gonna be on a bike. And I was like, oh, like a uh, like what kind of bike do you got? He's like, no, I'm talking about like, a bicycle. And I was like. Okay, like we're in northern Maine, people don't really do bicycles here, but you know, you're you're environmentally friendly, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And he was just like and so then I was like, "All right, cool. So like we're going to meet at 6." And he's just like, "Yeah, oh, one more thing. Um I won't have internet, but I'm definitely going." And I was just like, "Dude, listen. If you are not going to meet me, that's cool, but just like let me know now because I really am not in the mood to be stood up like sitting at a bar." by myself like i'm already like in my feelings he's like no i'm definitely gonna be there like i just won't have internet and so i was like all right we got some yellow flags like on the horizon but i'm still gonna go because i'm just like that thirsty for a day <laughs> and you can always just get a drink and i can always get a drink. <laughs> yeah so i so i show up and i was so I, yeah so i'm show, so i show up i park the car and i see somebody on a bicycle I was like, oh, well, as promised, he's on a bicycle. Looks pretty normal. We're good. So then he's, like, putting his bike away, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to get out of the car now and, like, walk up. Because I was going to let him go first and then, like, meet him in there. I'm a diva. I need an entrance. And so uh, we, so I go in, and I'm like, hey, are you John? He's like, yeah, I am. Yeah, cool. And I was like, oh, cool. Look, I'm Connor. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah, cool. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Like, let's go in, grab a drink. It's been such a long time since I've been here. And I was like, this guy's a little off. I don't know if I want to go inside. But I do it anyway. Because, again, I'm a little in my feelings. And I just want... And now I'm, like, at the bar and I'm just like, whatever. I just need a drink. And I can get out. But he could be cool. He might just be nervous. Again, I probably give people too many benefits of the doubt. Here's the kicker. We walk in. He sits down. He looks at me and smiles. Homeboy has no teeth. Like, there is not a single tooth to be found in this guy's mouth. 
And I was just like, dear Lord Jesus, what have I done? And you would think that the night, you think that that would be the worst part. You know, like you would think, oh yeah, we had a great conversation. He ended up being really nice. He just didn't have any teeth. No. We are talking and he's just like, oh, so what do you do for work? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I work for the TV station. He's like, wait, you work for WAGM? And that was the station at the time. And I was like, yep. He goes, oh, you guys did a story on me last year. And I was just like, oh, God, please tell me it's charity. Please tell me you're like some big advocate. And I was like, I'm going to ask, but I know I don't want to know the answer. What for? He's like, oh, you know, my buddies, you know, we got caught smuggling heroin. And I was just like, I sank down to the ground in my chair and was just like, dear God, get me out of here right now. Like, I cannot be seen with this guy at all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And yeah. And you would think that would be my cue to, like, never use Grindr again. It wasn't. So, Connor, I asked for two stories. I'm not asking you to top that one, but I would like another, please. (sighs) Well, this one, it's Northern Maine. I'm freshly single. Got needs. You know, grinders about, you know. Maybe meeting some people. It's, um, we're going to say it was a Wednesday. It was midweek. And it's probably about midnight, and I'm just, you know, talking to somebody. I was like, you know what, let's, I'm like, you know what, let's link up. You know, what the hell. I'm just, you know, if you're weird, I'm just going to leave. He's like, yeah, so just come over to my place. I'm like, all right, like, whatever. So I'm like, where do you live? He's like, oh, I live at this address, and I like type it into the GPS, and I'm like, nothing's coming up. Do I? That's when I should stop, right? Like, that's when I should have just been like, you know, I'm just gonna go to bed. It's midnight. But I'm like, you know what? It's been a while. This guy seems. This guy looks. His pictures are cute. Let's just go. Let's go check him out. So then I drive, hop in my car, driving, going past. You know, I'm like, again, this is northern Maine. So, again, you have to think Northeast Kingdom, think, like, houses every 12 miles or so, really long driveways, lots of woods, place where black folk should not be by themselves. Get out. Preach. And so I'm, so I'm, like, driving there, and I'm driving, and I'm just, like, you know what, this is really, I'm like, Connor, you know what, this is a little sketch. And so I'm, like, and so I'm thinking, so I'm, like, walking, I'm, like, trying to, like, talk myself out of going because I'm just like, you know what? This is a 15 minute drive. Not that that's a big deal, but I'm like, do we really want to do this? It's kind of late. We have to work in the morning. This is my internal dialogue. I, where, where are we? And so I'm like, so we have to work in the morning. Like, do we really want to do this? Eh, what the hell? You know, we'll just check it out. So we, so I drive past the driveway that it's supposed to be on. And I, like, go in there, and I'm, like, so I message him. I'm just, like, hey, dude, like, I think this is your house, but all the lights are off. He was just, like, yeah, just come in. I was, like, um, no, that's not how this works. 
um, I'm going to need you to um, turn on some lights and maybe meet me outside. He said, no, I'm not. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to meet you because I'm not into getting murdered. So then I turned around and had a really disappointing evening. <laughs> Those are my two. But you're on. alive. Exactly. So. So I guess the moral of the story is. Oh, good gosh. I do have a little bit of sense, just not a lot. Oh, my Lord. I am so happy <laughs> to see you on the other side of that clearly very painful time in your life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean. Being that isolated will make you do some crazy things. Because I can tell you, I can tell anybody listening right now, both of those stories would not happen here in Burlington. <laughs> that would be like a wrap from the get-go. But, so. Okay, growth. Growth. Yes. New year, new me. I love it. <laughs> so you are from Texas. I must ask. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. All right, sorry. Exactly. Um, how good are you at line dancing? You know what? I'm actually pretty good. Uh, there's a bar on the Strip. It's a gay bar called Roundup. That's actually really, it's a really famous, really popular gay bar that all the cowboys go. And they do uh, line dancing classes. And so when I was living in Dallas, I would go and I would learn. Are we in a line dance now? Uh, I guess nobody could see us. But, yeah. This isn't a visual medium. Sorry. It's okay. So you are proficient then? Yeah. I, we should do, we should make like a line dancing event. Oh, let's do it. That would be fun. Yeah. Teach the youth. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So that means y'all put on your, put on your finest cowboy boots and cowboy hats and your Levi's and let's come on out to the rodeo. Wow, you took me somewhere just now. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not here anymore. I'm over. I'm there. Um, I just go start talking about Texas, and I get super excited. And then I love it. I love <laughs> your passion. Um, everything is bigger in Texas, including your passion. Including my passion. What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you? To me, I think it's undefined. I think that us as people of color and being out have a very unique role and responsibility to define what brown and out looks like. Because our community is so small in Vermont and around the country, there's not a lot of representation of us. And so it's our responsibility to define what that is. And to me, that is just being authentic to who you are and being okay with being authentic. I think that so many times people are scared of being authentic because they're scared of rejection. And I think that's a, while I think that fear is very valid, I think that as brown and out people helping and wanting to inspire other people, not just young people, other people, it's important to be proud of who you are because while we focus so much on the youth, I think there's older people that can be inspired by us as well. And I think that us being a small community defining who we are as proud, gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual people of color 
is an amazing thing. When do you feel most brown right now? What what are those moments? <laughs> I think I, I, I'm going to answer this in two ways. Perfect. The first, I think in the most like important way I feel most brown and out is just my be, me being in my job and me being present and me being a visual medium of being brown and out for people at home. And we have, granted a lot of people don't watch local news, but a lot of people do. And so I think just my presence of being a proud black gay man, it just ha- helps me feel brown and out. That's part one. Part two is when I'm at the club and Cardi B comes on and I shake my butt like it's my job because that's just me living my best life and my most authentic life. And that's just when I'm having the most fun. And I think that being able to spread positivity and just like joy and be joyful and happy is also a part of being brown and out. God bless you, Connor. God bless you, Reginald. It's been a pleasure. Are we already over? Basically. Oh. I'm sorry. Did you, was there I, I still have so many more topics to talk about. Guess you're going to have to wait for the remix. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, um, it was a treat talking to you today. Thank you very much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.